Hello, basketball fans. Welcome to a brand new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And uh, we are headed full steam ahead towards the WNBA playoffs. We are about to enter the last week of the regular season. Um the last full week of the regular season, should I say, that will start September 13th. Um, so it's a great time to be a fan of this league as teams are jockeying and fighting for a playoff spot in general. They're also jockeying and fighting for playoff positioning, keeping in mind that there is the double buy, coveted double buy, if you finish in first or second place, um, that gets you right to the semifinals. Or you could get a single buy, which is, hey, we'll take it if you finish in third and fourth position. And um, everyone else is going to have to fight it out uh, in the first uh, and second rounds in the single elimination. Um, So, and this is a year where, Tarika, I don't know about you, I would not want to be in one of those single elimination games because anyone can beat anyone. And yes, you do want to be in fifth or sixth place because you get home court advantage versus seventh, eighth, where you have no leverage. But it's it's getting a little wild out here. It's very tough out here right now. Teams are starting to heat up a little bit. Teams are uh, they they came to play this year. I think this year may be a, even a little bit scarier than the bubble. I think. For me, last year, the bubble was scary because there was an equal playing field for every team. There wasn't travel. It was like, wow, this year I'm really getting that NCAA feel where you never know who might show up. So single elimination, somebody might be going home who we may not have expected it to. Yeah, it could be um, an early out for several teams. Now, let's talk about where the standings are right now. Connecticut's number one. Uh, they have clinched a double bye, so I'm pretty sure they can't finish any lower than second. Uh, Las Vegas Aces are in second place. Seattle Storm in third. Phoenix Mercury fourth. Minnesota Lynx are fifth. Uh, Chicago Sky sixth. Dallas Wings seventh. New York Liberty eight. Those two teams fighting to hold on to spots. And um, the Washington Mystics are, are in ninth place, and the Los Angeles Sparks are in tenth. And those are two teams we thought may push their way into playoffs, but both have had um, impacting injuries. Uh, I mean, Washington Mystics have had, you know, Tina Charles miss some time. Um, Elena Deladon, oh my God, like it's kind of scary watching the reports come out about, you know, how she's feeling with the serious of an injury is, is a back, right? Like, um, and not that she has re-injured the back, but it's just a process, obviously, when you've had a couple of back surgeries and, you know, we just wish her well. Um, they're going to be without Ariel Atkins this weekend. So the, the, the list goes on and on and Atkins is, is more personal reasons, but still, I mean, they've had, they've been ravished by injury. And then the sparks now, Christy Tolliver is going to be out for two to three weeks, which is basically the rest of the season. I think that impacts them. I believe that every game that the sparks have won all 10 games Tolliver has played in, um, they've lost six in a row. And then the Atlanta Dream are in 11th place and the Indiana Fever are in 12th. So um, this show actually is not going to be about the games. It's going to be about the GOAT. If you have not been paying attention, we'll fill you in on the WNBA's initiative in this 25th anniversary celebration season to highlight 
some of the greatest players that have played in the WNBA. And they are doing that with their GO campaign. Um, just a few days ago, Carolyn Peck and I were in studio for ESPN. We had the opportunity of announcing the WNBA's top 25. Now, I will say that the definition of this top 25 players of all time um, is interesting because in some of the verbiage that's used by the league, it's like influential, impactful players. You know, we know influential doesn't necessarily mean what's happening on the court. So in some of the descriptions, it's interesting. But the criteria itself uh, is very much about accolades. Um, and, and Roz is going to get into that a little bit later in the show. But it's have you been an MVP and, um, you know, have you been on the first and second team? And to be clear, this list started at 72. And that was the criteria that they used to get down to 25. Right. So um, I was one of the voters. And they presented to us this list of 72 and said, all of these people have at least four of these seven categories. And it was first and second team. It was MVP. It was community assist. So once they gave us that list, it was our job to then narrow it down to 25. And I'll be honest, like the process was interesting for me because they led us to the criteria so that was like front and center on your mind. Like I literally was evaluating every player on, okay, how many times are they first team, second team? Um, you know, where do you rank all time in various statistical categories? Like it seemed very numbers driven, very accolades driven. But I think what you'll enjoy about this podcast and what we did was took a snippet of a WNBA um, Twitter conversation, Twitter spaces conversation with myself, Roz Golden, Day and uh, Holly Rowe is, you know, we kind of talked about a lot of different criteria that could be considered in this GOAT vote. But at the same time, we don't all get to just bring our own criteria to the table. The WNBA laid it out, um, but narrowing it down to one is where this will all get interesting. In case you have not heard, you can vote for your WNBA GOAT using the hashtag WNBA GOAT vote on Twitter. You can go to the website. There's a number of different ways that um, you can do it. Um, but definitely, I know my mother was like on the WNBA app, like how many times can I vote? So there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Roz is going to share with you who's on the list. She's also going to share, um, you know, some of that criteria, as I mentioned, and get to the specifics of it. But there's just a few things I wanted to say. So this is my clipboard for the week. And I mentioned this on Twitter. I, I tweeted out something which most people understood. It was a it was a funny take on, you know, this WNBA go vote. But I was like, listen, if you have not watched the WNBA since the comments won four, you know, since the shock was on top, if you haven't watched the WNBA since, you know, the sparks went back to back, like stop tweeting about the go vote. And, you know, there is this whole feeling that. You know, if you don't know what you're talking about, you shouldn't be in the conversation, which that's any conversation you're in. But it's also like fun. Like this WNBA GOAT vote thing was supposed to be like, hey, let's just shine some light on all these different players. And the fun thing about it is we can do it on Twitter. We can do it in these spaces where we all have a different take on the WNBA, whether you're a new fan, whether you're an old fan. I was definitely sending that note for all the people who are 
jumping in on the WNBA from 25 years ago, but don't want to watch it now. That okay. I do have a problem with. You know what I'm saying? Am I wrong? Yep. You are not. You you hit the nail on the head. I was so in agreement with that tweet. I mean, so there's just been, I wanted to set that out, first of all. It's like, this is for fun. Like, don't get your panties in a wad over how much you know, how much you don't know, you know, what group you're a part in, what not, what teams you got to see, what teams you did, what players you got to watch, whatever. Everyone's perspective matters. Like, you only feel limited in what you can contribute to this space if you allow yourself to feel limited, like, period. And, you know, as sports fans, I mean, that's what makes this fun. Like, let's have a good time with this, guys. Like, WNBA to me is the most welcoming space. Everyone gets a seat at this table. Now, should everyone get a seat at this table? We'll save that discussion for another time. But <laughs> you cannot tell me that this is not one of the most inclusive sports spaces. Now, yes, it's hard to find information on the WNBA, and we can improve our media coverage of it. But as far as the people that, like, are a part of it, like, I feel like we, we all show love and, and you're in it deeper than I am sometimes on Twitter. Tariq. Like, is there an issue? Like, did I miss something? No, I, I completely agree. Like we are W if you haven't, you know, checked out hashtag WNBA Twitter, you definitely need to, because the community is amazing and they're very opinionated and they're very protective of the WNBA. And that can be a good thing sometimes. And sometimes it could be a little bit overbearing for someone who may be a new fan who's interested and in wanting to learn more. And that's just simply because there have been so many times where people have been really critical. Um, and then there's your, your few trolls every now and then that sometimes it's hard to separate those that are really looking to learn and know more about the WNBA versus those who are just trying to troll to be, you know, just inconsiderate and, and, and rude. But for the most part, you are correct. The WNBA, the fan base, the family is just that. It's very welcoming. And what's really fun about this conversation with China is that the WNBA being only 25 years old means that there are places that you can go to watch what you may have missed. So if you are a new fan and you do want to remember the Houston Comets or you do want to remember the Cleveland Rockers or whatever, you know, you've got Google and YouTube that can absolutely pull up some of those old videos for you. You've got people like Chastity Melvin, for example, who was a part of that Cleveland Rockers team, and she's active on social media. You can interact with her. You know what I mean? So there's opportunities to learn more about what you may have missed if you're a new fan. And there are opportunities for you to get back in the fold if you're an older fan who hasn't enjoyed in a while. So there's no reason to not be in the know. I mean, let's stop making excuses, right? Like yep. if you weren't there 25 years ago, that's fine. That does not mean you can't do your homework. Yeah, I just get, you know, it just it's interesting when you look at the women's landscape of women's sports, just how whiny we can get. It's like, listen, let's just get a little tough skin and get out here with whatever knowledge you have, with whatever background you have, with whatever area you have and rep your team. Like this is what they do in sports. This is what we want NBA coverage. We want NFL coverage. We want NHL coverage. But do we really do we really want to, you know, have yep. to pull up our bootstraps and like get out here and put our armor on and fight for our team and fight for our perspective. Like to me, that's what makes sport great. So anyway, that's me. Um, but I hope everyone at least enjoys a snippet of this conversation. We weren't able to play the entire thing. Tarika came on and gave some great insights. Cindy Brunson came on and, did, and gave us some great insight, but we had some technical issues. 
But I just hope if anything, you will weigh in on Twitter with whatever your perspective is. Like wave your flag, <laughs> whatever that may be, Cynthia Cooper mm-hmm. or Swin Cash ah. or Cheryl Swoops or Brianna Stewart, like whatever your flag is, wave that thing and have fun. Like literally have fun, but just make sure you use that hashtag WNBA go vote. Uh, enjoy the conversation. What's up, LaChina? Holly, can you hear me? Can okay, you? I hear you now. I hear you. Hello. Uh, can y'all hear me? Yes, we hear we you can. now. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Want to make sure to welcome everybody in to this Vote for the GOAT conversation uh, presented by the WNBA. Um, throughout the conversation, make sure you use the hashtag WNBA GOAT vote to Put in your two cents in the convo. We'll be bringing in tweets who you think should be, you know, the GOAT and, and whatever commentary you have that's relevant to the conversation. I'm Roz Gold on What A. I'm here with the great Holly Rowe and LaChina Robinson. Y'all, the hottest topic in sports is always who's the GOAT, who's the greatest of all time. Um, so just to set up what's happening today, we're going to be talking about who's the best. Um, the WNBA reached season 25 this year. And in celebration, compiled a list of the top 25 players. Um, And today we'll be discussing the criteria, our top choices for overall GOAT, greatest of all time. We're going to make sure to give some flowers to players we would have liked to see make this list. And we'll take a look at the future. And um, just to set the tone for the convo, like any GOAT conversation is bound to be spicy. Uh, We also want to make sure this is a healthy, candid discussion and a celebration of all of our WNBA legends who, you know, uh, made the list and beyond. So before we go any further, I'm actually here presently with two goats in Holly Row and LaChina Robinson. So what's up, y'all? Okay, I first need to get something out of the way. Okay, this has been weighing on me today. And I decided Uh that before we could have this debate... What's up, Mark Vidal? I see you listening right now. Congrats on the football. Um, before we can debate, I need to know where each of you are coming from because I need to, j- Roz and LaChina, just answer one question. There's no commentary. Answer one question. Michael or LeBron? I, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in. <laughs> And you know what it is? Holly, Holly came in swinging. Um, I'm going MJ. I'm an I'm an MJ girl on this debate, but Same. I feel like okay, me too. I just needed to know if we were of like minds and souls before <laughs> we got into this discussion. So now that I know we're all three MJ girls, I just knew we could really get to the the heart and soul of this. Right, and you know it's an interesting point you bring up, Holly, because I feel like on the men's side, like the conversation is so heavily dominated by just two names, and I feel like as we talk about this W twenty five list. There's there's a number of players that really, you know, could make a case for this this achievement, you know, for this title, you know, so we'll get to that. I want to just make sure um, a little bit of of uh, what's this paperwork, if you will, or whatever it is. I, I want to make sure fans who are listening know how to vote. And in fact, we want you to start, start voting, voting right now because we are going to be calling out your tweets as we have this conversation. Um, so basically, fans, you can vote. Um, until 11.59 p.m. Eastern, Sunday, September 19th. Your vote. So first of all, like, 
this whole list started with 72 nominees um, that were based on factors that had to do with on-court performance, ability, leadership, sportsmanship, community service, and then, and then team success. And then a panel of media members and women's basketball pioneers um, cast their votes that then narrowed this list down to the W25. And so basically now it's up to you guys, the fans, who are going to vote on the names of this W25 for who the GOAT is. And you have until Sunday, September 19th, and then the GOAT, as voted for by fans, will be unveiled during the WNBA Finals 2021 uh, presented by YouTube TV. So basically use the hashtag WNBA GOAT vote on Twitter and use the name of, of the player to submit your vote. You can also vote on WNBA.com um, using backslash GOAT vote. So go to WNBA.com or the WNBA app. And those are all the ways that you can vote. All right. So get it started. Um, all right, ladies, I think we should start with criteria and then we'll get into who made it. But let's just start with like what defines GOAT. And again, a little bit of logistics here. Basically, I want to make sure it's really clear what the criteria was as listed by the WNBA. Nominees were required to have been a member of a WNBA team for at least two seasons and meet four, and meet four of the following seven criteria. So they had to have won a major um, WNBA individual award like... MVP or finals MVP or defensive player of the year or most improved player or six woman of the year or rookie of the year or the sportsmanship award. All right. Um, and then they also could have been selected to either the WNBA all defensive team, um, first team, all defense or second team, all defense, first team, all WNBA, second team, all WNBA. They had to be selected or, or they could have been selected to the all-star game. They could be a member of a WNBA championship team or currently ranked among the top 40 career leaders in any one statistical category and or a recipient of the WNBA season-long community assist award. So they had to hit four of the following seven criteria. All right, that's a mouthful. So let's talk criteria. What y'all think? <laughs> I, I made my, like, I literally made a, a bar chart and graph for this. Um, so Latrina, I don't know, you tell me what, but I, I had on mine, um, rookie of the year, league MVP, finals MVP, Olympic gold medals, WNBA champions, championships. And then I did scoring leaders and defensive accolades, because I think we agree. We all want two way players. And I think that was important. And I, I'll let Latrina go, but based on that criteria, I have narrowed my list down to 11 and I know you guys are going to be like, what the heck? Of course, you can't have 11 people. But we could make a very serious debate for these 11 candidates. And I'll, I'll wait to reveal it till a little later. But yeah, I have it narrowed down to 11 people who meet all of those criteria. And I could make a very strong case that they are a goat. So that's how hard this competition is and how hard it is to name who is truly the goat. But wait, 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 wait. Let me push back. Let me push back because... You know, I did all of that logistic stuff on what the league says needed to be met, criteria needed to be met. But like what what makes a goat to you? And you said you want to see two way players, but does the do they have to be a two way player to be the goat? Lachina? Uh 
I believe they do. So um, it's interesting listening to Holly's list because this is where this whole thing got complicated for me to begin with because I voted for this list that got from 72 to 25. So the league's description of, of this W25 was these game-changing athletes were selected based on their overall contribution to the league and community by a panel of select media and women's basketball pioneers. Like when you hear that, but then you look at the criteria, this criteria to me is very focused on accolades. It's very basketball driven. For a matter of fact, I don't know if when we just answered that question about MJ or LeBron, were y'all thinking about the sportsmanship award? Did MJ ever win sportsmanship? Because if it was a sportsmanship award, then it's LeBron's to have. You know what I mean? Or a community right. award. It's community LeBron's awards. Right. I think that I think that verbiage kind of complicated things and made this list. Like I know there were people who were talking about Don Staley not being on this list. And, and she wasn't even, to my knowledge, she wasn't even on the list of, of 72. But you can't talk about the influence of, you know, WNBA players, because that was also the title. It was the greatest and most influential players in WNBA history. That's the way they titled this. So if you're going to talk about influence, yeah, Don Staley deserved to be on here. But the criteria to me just doesn't, it's too wide ranging. And I think made it very complicated when you talk about the GOAT, because that's that's not something you usually include in the GOAT criteria conversation so right but and yes to your point sorry to your point though I absolutely think defense should be included like there's two sides of the court and too often we put an emphasis on what people are doing on the offensive end you can't just play whatever half of 94 is I went to Wake Forest so I can't calculate that quickly like you can't just include half of the basketball court and say the other half okay you can show up maybe but you got to be able to score like that doesn't even make sense right I, I also Holly, you included, yeah, I agree with that. And I also included a, a little category that I made up myself and I wanted to get your um, feedback on mm-hmm. is I included a category called daggers. Like who was the game winning shot? Like who did you want the ball in their hand at the end of a game with a championship on the line? I think that's important is, is we can look at stats all day, but I think everybody has a feeling about certain players of when I watched this person play, I knew they were winning this game. I knew that they were going to take the last second shot. Um, And, you know, I I think that that's an important category that we haven't really defined at all, but I think is important of a visceral, I trust this person with my life to take this shot. I love it, Holly. And I I would like to just chime in here too, where even when we discuss MVP voting, like there's something about – statistical dominance, historical significance, overall team success, like all of that. But at the end of the day, all of that analytics, all of that, you know, number crunching and comparisons also has to be met with an innate gut feel of watching this person. Like, can they be stopped? What do they make you feel? Why are they transcendent? When we don't, we're not just talking about a single season MVP award. We're talking about greatest of all time, period. In the history of the WNBA, 25 years, and also holding on to that title over the course of time, uh, holding it over players who may have come before you, holding it over players who are playing currently and after you, like that is so much more than just being top five of a statistical category. And I absolutely right. love that you brought up, like, what did this player make you feel? Which I think is an important part of the GOAT conversation. 
Right. Not but fun. here's the thing, though, Roz. Here's what I'll say, because I love that Holly came up with her own list. And I love what you're saying about a feel, because with the criteria the WNBA came up with, we debate this anyway. Like there's probably, I don't know, in 25 years, maybe 11 or 12 players that were like, oh, somebody else should have won MVP that year. Or you know what? She should have been on first or second team and didn't get that. So if, that, if that's what we're using to narrow down these lists, then you already know how people feel. They don't trust the media. And that's who's voting for these awards. <laughs> so it does come back to what's important to you. Um, also, yes, having a feel. I like, you know, clutch shooters. Like what is important to you as an individual in terms of who is the best player on the court at any given time? And then who has consistently the, been the best over time? And I'll come on that too and talk about continuing with criteria. Um, this idea of if I were to give you a purest opinion on criteria around the GOAT, I would imagine for me, and again, it's very arbitrary from person to person, but I feel like when we have a GOAT conversation, whether on any side, men's, women's, like, I tend to think that that conversation is about what happened on the court. However, part of the fabric of the WNBA is the impact the league has off of the court. And, and so on that hand, I kind of find myself torn between should this be a pure basketball conversation or to be a GOAT WNBA player, given the fabric and, and the history of this league um, and what it has stood for and its identity, like does the GOAT also have to encapsulate um, community and, and off the court impact, which this award does according to criteria, but we're just debating right now. And I just wanted to ask that question specifically to y'all too. Yeah. Okay. So I have an example for, of someone that we could bring up in this category. So Sue Bird um, could be considered in this GOAT conversation. I've actually talked to Sue Bird about this and said, do you consider yourself to be the GOAT or in that conversation? And she does not, which kind of surprises me because I think the length of her career, the number of championships, um, you know, she just hasn't been a scoring champion or an MVP type of person. But you could make the argument that what Sue Bird has done off the court in the last several years um, has absolutely been the most important, important work of almost anybody in WNBA history, whether it's her advocacy in the LGBTQ plus community, whether it's her um, starting to vet Raphael Bornock as a candidate for the U.S. Senate and getting him on Zoom calls with other WNBA players, her organizing the T-shirts. You know, she had the T-shirts in her room in the WNBA bubble, making sure that all the players were in the right T-shirts every day so their message was uniform. Like, you you could make that argument that Sue Bird has politically and off the court been one of the most important people ever in league history. And, and so is that something that you guys are considering? So here's what I think about changing what the, how we define the GOAT. I do not like that idea because what that does is takes the WNBA and puts it in its own bucket. When we talk about the NFL, when we talk about the NBA, when we talk about other sports, we don't put community service into that conversation. Now, if you wanted to do a WNBA 25th anniversary team and come up with your own criteria, fine. But changing what the GOAT means, which is the greatest of all time for the WNBA, for it to mean something different than it does in every other major sport in every way that we've ever considered it, I don't like that at all. Like, we, I agree. We, I agree with you totally. It's basketball, right? It's basketball. Period. Period. All right. So I want to, for those listening right now, if you didn't know, I think it's a great time to um, mention who made that top 25 
list of the W25 uh, list for the WNBA. So the t- it, it includes 10 current players. So those current players are Sue Bird, Tina Charles, Elena Deladon, Sylvia Fowles, Brittany Griner, Angel McCaudry, Neka Agumake, Candace Parker, Brianna Stewart, and Diana Taurasi. The list also includes 15 retired players um, are also among these honorees, and that includes Simone Augustus, Gwen Cash, Tamika Catching, Cynthia Cooper, Yolanda Griffith, Becky Hammond, Lauren Jackson, Lisa Leslie, Maya Moore, Teacher Finichero, uh, Cappy Pondek, Katie Smith, Cheryl Swoops, Tina Thompson, and Lindsay Whalen. Um, during this time, I asked you guys who are watch- listening along with us to send in your hashtag WNBA GOAT vote. And we got a couple of people who have some takes. Coach T says, Cynthia Cooper, hashtag killer. Thank you, Coach T, for your vote. Erin says that she's going with Cheryl Swoops. Uh, and so, all right, since we've listed these people, I'd love to throw it to the stage right now. What do you make of the top 25 list? Holly, I know you got 11 names. Give it to us. <laughs> okay, so I have been, like, really making a chart and trying to check this off. And so in no particular order, these are the 11 names that I think we have a, an absolute valid argument that they can be the GOAT. Uh, Diana Taurasi, Cheryl Swoops, Candace Parker, Maya Moore, Tina Thompson, Stewie, Brianna Stewart, Elena Deladon, Sylvia Fowles, Cynthia Cooper, and Lauren Jackson. And I have specific reasons why each of those could be the GOAT. And um, I'll let LaChina kind of put her list out there and then we can go from there. Can y'all hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, So we still had some time to narrow down our list from 25 to one, and I haven't quite gotten there, but I'll tell you who's on my leaderboard right now. And obviously this is a very difficult conversation to have, right? Because there are a lot of great players out of there, but right now my top two for greatest of all time. um, And I do believe that my final selection will come from this list is Cheryl swoops and Tamika Catchings. Now, what I will say about Cheryl Swoops is this, and someone brought me brought this to my attention on on Twitter, um, that Cheryl Swoops, I believe, is the only player to win four championships and win three MVP awards. Right? She was also Defensive Player of the Year three times. I don't know if anyone has that. Well, you've got four rings, which is the second most. Only Rebecca Brunson has five. So there are, there are uh, you know, more players that have four now because you go Houston, you go Minnesota, Sue Bird, you know. But she's got four, three MVPs and three defensive players of the year. So it says that she was the best player on the court as an MVP. She was the best defensive player and four rings. I don't know that anybody can match that. Like, I know what you guys are saying. It goes back to the feel and all that other stuff. She was also one of the founding players of the league, the first to ever have a signature shoe with Nike. Like, to me, Cheryl Swoops, and I'm not, there's no community aspect in there necessarily. You've heard the accolades. But to me, she checks all the boxes. Now, Tamika Catchings is probably, like, in my number two slot right now. And that's where it goes back to what Holly said and what you said, Roz, about just feeling like a player is dominating a game. Like, catch was 
always the hardest worker on the floor. Her intensity level, her relentlessness, like I will lay it out there that I don't think any player that has ever played in this league has laid it on the line every night the way Tamika Catchings has on both ends of the floor, period. Five-time defensive player of the year. She did win an MVP. I'm pretty sure she won a finals MVP as well. But that one, to me, less accolade-driven, more of just a feel for the way she could dominate the game and impact the game on both ends. So that's what I am right now with my top two. Okay, so let me get spicy. Can I get spicy right out of the gate? Wait, wait, wait. I want want to give one little note on something, just to add to LaChina's amazing breakdowns there, (laughs) thorough breakdowns. Also for your swoops argument, because she's on my list, she won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season two times. And so that also shows like the ability to dominate both sides of the ball at the highest level, um, not once, but twice. And there have been a few players who have done it once, but Stoops has done that. And uh, as we continue, go ahead, make it spicy, Holly. Okay, so I don't know if she was even the, the, the goat of her own team. Right. So I just I'm and I'm just I'm just putting this out here and and I respect her immensely and I agree with what everything you're saying with China. But I was kind of shocked when I started breaking down stats with Cynthia Cooper, because I don't know that we talk about Cynthia Cooper as much. She was also a four time WNBA champion, four time finals MVP, two time regular season MVP. And led the league in scoring for three years. She averaged 21 points per game throughout her career, whereas Cheryl Swoops only averaged 15 points per game throughout her career. Now, Cheryl had a baby. She had other circumstances and injury. But I wanted to, I guess, maybe ask you guys of where is scoring on your list of goatness? Like, if you look at the, at the accolades, Cynthia Cooper has as many, but she actually was a higher level scorer than Cheryl Swoops, but she didn't have the defensive player of the year that Swoops had. So where do and you that, guys fall if you're trying to separate those two? Holly, that's where it got me. Cheryl, excuse me, Cynthia Cooper told me out of her own mouth, I let them take care of the defensive end. She will tell you that. She, <laughs> she, has, told, she has told me that out of her own mouth. So, with that being said, clearly Cheryl was spending a little bit more time and energy on the defensive end. Therefore, you know, her offensive stats may have struggled a bit. But you got to be doing enough scoring to be a three-time MVP. I'm sorry. We'll check in with listeners right now. Chris Harrison, Cheryl Swoops is the complete GOAT. Uh, We've got uh, Deandra saying, tell him, LaChina. J. Cole put a vote in for uh, Tamika Catchings. We got Diana Taurasi getting a vote here from Pad Dad. And I know we have, oh, Cindy Brunson showed us love throughout the conversation. And I know Cindy uh, Brunson and, and Tarika as well are listening and going to join the conversation. I want to hear from our WNBA, hashtag WNBA Twitter family here and get their thoughts on the conversation. So that was just a taste of the conversation. Hopefully it gets your wheels churning and gets you to thinking about players. More than anything, I just hope that you heard some of that and became nostalgic about the 25 years of this league and how amazingly exciting it has been and how hard it is to get it down to 25 players because there's been so many great and impactful players in the WNBA. Um, so yeah, it's a good problem to have. Uh, but I am interested to see what the fans think when the voting is all said and done. So cast your vote and thanks for listening to another episode of around the rim. You can uh, hit us on Twitter at around the rim pod. We'll answer any questions you have about this episode. 
You can also email us at aroundtherimpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, then you can also hit me up at LaChina Robinson. Um, Tarika is at She Knows Sports. And we'll see you next week. Oh, my God.